you can't assume that users are reading every word you write. You have to make the message clear and powerful that it kind of pops out. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub, an online education platform for writers in tech, UX writers, content designers. We have a weekly newsletter, we have a blog, we have a Facebook group. All of you are welcome to join. It's absolutely free. And we also have training for programs for writers in tech. My name is Yuval. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub and the host of this show. And today I have a very special guest. His name is Noach Fulton Bill. And Noach is a, an amazing person. I really like him personally. UX writer, world traveler, mentor. Noach, how are you? I'm doing great, Yuval. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for being here. You've been in one of our events last year, and I'm always excited to speak with you. Now you're also a mentor in the UX Writing Academy, and I'm really excited to have you today. As always, excited to talk. I know that you've been traveling around, right? You've been in Ukraine and you're back in Colorado, and then you're going to Spain, am I right? Yeah, that's right. I've been traveling just in the last month. So I was living abroad in Kiev, Ukraine for the last three and a half years. I'm originally from the U.S., from the state of Colorado, and got a cool opportunity to go to Ukraine, kind of took the opportunity to do something really different in my life, to go have an adventure and go learn about a new culture, kind of see what would happen. And when I was there, I started working at a really cool company called Preply. That was actually where I first started to be a UX writer and have just gotten back to Colorado. I'm back in my hometown of Boulder and seeing my family for the first time since the pandemic. And it's just been incredible. Amazing. I know that. The, and you were also going to Spain soon, right? Am I right? That's right. So Preply is an international company and they've got offices in Kiev and then Barcelona also. And so I'm going to be changing to their Barcelona office and I'm really excited. That's amazing. Have you been there before? I have. In Barcelona? My last trip before the pandemic was to Barcelona oh, really? and I was only there for a week, but the city was incredible and just really loved the people and got a chance to brush off my Spanish and <laughs> speak a little bit again. So yeah, it's incredible. That's amazing. Have fun in Barcelona. I know that they have a fantastic community of writers uh, over there, many fantastic people, many fantastic companies as well. You're going to be in great company and also in great city, a lot of sightseeing, great food. Personally, I really love Barcelona, so I'm a bit jealous, but uh, have fun. You'll have to come visit. I will. Once, uh, you know, everybody will calm down with all of this, uh, you know, crazy pandemics all over the world. I, I feel like I'm going to travel way more. So I'm definitely going to, to Barcelona. So we're going to meet in person. I know that you have background uh, as a musician. Am I right? That's right. Do you see any, like, parallels between your background in music to what you're doing today as UX writer? I see a lot of parallels, actually. So first of all, like in both music and in UX writing, there's a really similar 
Oh, I don't know. There's so many similarities. It's like, it's hard to know where to start. You know, one of the, when I, I first started UX writing, I got involved right when I was in the middle of this big songwriting project. And I was really focusing on learning how to write great songs. And when I picked up UX writing while doing that, I was immediately struck by how similar the two mediums were. Like, in both mediums, you are trying to communicate important messages to people who aren't really paying attention, right? So when you're writing pop music, you're probably either singing or your music is going to be played for people, you know, who are having fun, like partying, I don't know, at a bar or a club, whatever. And they're not necessarily listening to the lyrics very closely. And the same thing. It's like they are paying attention, but... Only sometimes. And, you know, so maybe like they'll catch a key word or if you reinforce the message strongly enough and have it there clearly enough, then they'll get it. And the same thing in UX writing, like... The thing that I've learned as a UX writer is you can't assume that users are reading every word you write. You have to make the message clear and powerful that it kind of pops out, comes through, even if a user is kind of on their way from one place to another. And I want to ask, so in addition to that, you said there are so many parallels. So first thing is that people are not that necessarily paying attention to what the message that you're trying to convey if you're a musician or if you're a UX writer. What type of a musician were you? Like a poet or like did you play an instrument? A singer-songwriter and then also cool. with a deep background in jazz as a trumpet player. Nice. Yeah. I also studied jazz, by the way, in high school. Really? Cool. Yeah, I was a guitar player. Awesome. Not a lot of people know that about me. So in addition to that, so you're also lyrics writer, songwriter. What other parallels can you think of? So there's two more. One of them is in collaboration and the other is in creativity. In collaboration, UX writing is a team sport. Or I guess the in a bigger sense, the game of creating digital products is really a collaborative process. As a UX writer... In my practice, I work with a cross-functional team that includes, you know, a product manager who's kind of the conductor of the whole operation, who makes sure all the pieces are coming together, a designer who specializes in the visual and the interaction of the product, and developers who are writing the code and making sure that this thing can technically work, and finally, a researcher whose job it is to, you know, be the, our eyes and ears with the customers and give us insights about what they need and what their preferences are. Right. And in, in music, and in, you have the band, right? Absolutely. You know, just like everybody's playing a different instrument or even in an orchestra, you get more specialized. Like you have composers who their main job is writing the music and then they hand it off to the conductor and then the conductor has all of these specialized, you know, instrumentalists who are really advanced and experts in what they're doing. Amazing. So the first parallel is the fact that 
uh, you are writing, you're creating a message for a person that's not necessarily meeting. The second parallel is that you're part of a band, you're part of a team. And what will be the third one? And then the third one is creativity. And I'll say this is especially connected to songwriting or really any kind of writing. And what's been amazing throughout this time as a UX writer and a musician at the same time is like how clearly the skills transfer from one to another. So like the skills of generating ideas and brainstorming or the skills of, you know, interpreting message or interpreting a problem in a way that makes sense to people. Really the communication of it and communicating in ways that are original enough to come through and be appealing to people, but then also on the other hand, to be recognizable, right? To match their expectations enough that they understand what's going on and they can feel like they're a part of it. Wow, that's amazing. And I feel like we have a really strong point here about the parallels of uh, musicians and UX writers. You know, UX writers have so many backgrounds like journalism and content marketing, even copywriting, traditional writing. Maybe some are designers that just wanted to write more. And you also have musicians and psychologists and many different backgrounds. And it's always amazing to see like what different people bring to the table based on their backgrounds to this profession. And I'm always amazed by it. It's pretty awesome. You know, it's really inspiring to watch the growth of UX writing and to watch like all the different people who are getting involved. And, you know, that's <laughs> it's something that's so cool about what you're doing, Yuval, in hosting the UX writing course, the UX writing academy, and putting it together and bringing together all these people and gathering this community. It's so cool to see where everybody's coming from. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's important to say also that you are a mentor in, in the UX Writing Academy program. So how has that experience for you so far? It's great. I'm really enjoying connecting with the students that I've met. It's so cool because it's been really rewarding to watch these students go from, you know, really smart people or just experts in a different field to like start to think in the way that will suit them well as UX writers and like getting on board with all of the practices and the principles and shaping their work into a way that's like, you know, getting ready to put together a portfolio and getting ready to like be hands-on in projects. And I think it's really powerful, like the experience that you're giving people that's actually preparing them in really practical ways. And part of it, of course, is having, you know, awesome mentors like you to, you know, to guide those people, to nudge them into the right direction in their careers. So they will actually know what are the industry standards and what people will ask them, because this is the only missing part of the puzzle. You know, they can find everything on the Internet, basically, but they just need the people and the guidance of experts to say to them, hey, everything is going to be all right. Just pay attention to this material, work on it, exercise it in a structured way. You'll do good. And that's enough to, you know, for people to take the leap and, and to, to do it, which is pretty awesome. Definitely. And like something that I hope that to give to the students I work with, like this comes back to collaboration because like you 
you can get all the knowledge on your own, right? But you can't get collaboration on your own and you can't get feedback on your own. And so I think like the value of having a community and having mentors is like, that's what you have in a real world situation when you're building a product, right? You're getting feedback from your team members and you have to present it to your stakeholders. And, you know, these skills are things that like, that's, I think, the value of what I try to give to the students is like, I give the same feedback as I give to my colleagues or like the people on my UX writing team at Preply, you know, and to share what that's actually like in a whatever the real world situation. That's amazing. And do you have some guidelines about how do you specifically give feedback to people? Like, do you have some kind of a method to giving feedback to people, to those that just want to do some kind of a peer writing and give feedback to each other so they could learn together? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's always really important to look at what a writer is doing well and what a writer could improve. Of course, it's pretty classic advice and feedback, but I think it's really true. We have a process called peer review at my company where actually like everything that we write gets feedback from at least two other writers on the team. And it's really tempting to kind of skip the good things that the writer is doing and just go and fix the mistakes. I think it is important, especially with people who are learning, but even with experienced writers to recognize like what is working here, what's going well. And then also as much as possible to like keep in mind the bigger growth of the person and like how their work is evolving over time. All right. So when writing feedback, so mention the positive and also mention the negative. Don't try to fix it, but try to look at the bigger picture and leave uh, room for growth. That's basically the, the tips. Th- those are great tips. I love it. And so how did you get into UX writing, basically? So what was your kind of tipping point? Yeah. So before I you know, decided to specialize in UX writing, I had already started working at, at the same company at Preply. And that was the first tech company I'd worked at. And it was, you know, fairly small, kind of medium-sized when I started. I was the second writer on the team, I think. And, and what was the role? Like a general writer? or Yeah, general writer. We, we, we Now we'll look back and we'll call it a full-stack writer. Because similar to the, the way engineers describe, like, you know, working on full the front end developer. and the back end, like, they're, they write the full stack of code. So I would write emails and landing pages and, you know, paid ads. And, you know, I like write product, product, of course, but everything, any kind of words that they needed, I would write them. And then Amazing. At, yeah. at a certain point, as the company was growing, we got more writers on the team. And they said, like, well, what is your favorite thing that you're doing? What's most interesting? And I it was clear like UX writing is the most interesting thing out of what I was doing. And so I'm really happy to have gotten that opportunity and be here too. And what was the product that you were working on? So the product is a, is a platform that connects students and tutors of languages all around the world. So it's helping students find a tutor and then successfully learn a language. 
Amazing. I've heard about uh, another platform lately named uh, Italki. Have you heard about it before? Yeah, yeah. They're they're one of the top competitors. One of the competitors. So yeah. Oh, got <laughs> it. Really got familiar, it. and we're keeping an eye on them. <laughs> you know, watching what they're doing. You should. You should. I would definitely do some competitor analysis. Uh, we did at that company. I booked a, a English lesson for my girlfriend with them, uh, and the. The tutor was actually from Barcelona, and the experience is like something that we talk about a lot in our apartment. Like we talk a lot about the experience of learning a new language using this specific platform and marketplace because it's pretty good. Interesting. And, uh, cool. You know, like the experience of learning something with a person. I don't know if that was what was cool for her. I think so. Yeah. Like the platform... It's okay, you know, it just gave us like the platform to do that learning experience. But I guess that great experience is when it's like seamless and, you know, you don't have to think too much and booking the sessions was easy and it was integrated with Zoom already and the payment was fairly, which is great. And the teacher is just a fantastic human being, like a really cool person. So the whole experience and not necessarily the digital experience, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it goes so much beyond the digital experience. That's something that's interesting that I often have in mind when working on this is like the digital experience is it's just the frame around this much deeper experience that the student has with their tutor. And that like real interaction is what actually makes it special and what I think is so valuable because like, I mean, of course, you can learn a language with a self-study app like Duolingo or something, but you're not actually... That's a tough one. I started, I started learning with Duolingo like maybe 10 times in my life and I never finished like more than five, I don't know, badges. They gamified the hell of it, but it's like too much for me. And I, I don't, I tried Spanish many times before and I don't know any Spanish, like only like Cerveza and, and the Bueno, you know? Yeah, but when you get a chance to speak with someone and actually have real interactions like for me and and what i hear from students is like that's so much more real and practical and motivating and again like that's the value of a community that's the value of mentors that's the value of you know real interactions and it's the practical you know what you can really take this and go somewhere with it just like in in ux writing I agree. What other opportunities do you feel like that there are out there when it comes to innovation and in learning? You know, how the future do you think of like, like both of us are in the education space, obviously. And do you see any like new opportunities or like what, where this field is heading maybe from your point of view? I know that you're not a futurist, right? But uh, maybe your take on like the field of uh, education technology and, and where it's heading? Sure. I mean, yeah, I'm not a futurist and I'm very much like involved in the practical like day to day of, you know, creating <laughs> things for that exist now, <laughs> which is also the right. future. I mean, it's all connected. Something I think is really interesting is how kind of the digital space is breaking down a lot of the barriers that have traditionally existed in learning. And this is not new, of course, but I think over the last year, like people have started to appreciate it 
more, you know, since being locked down and having the experience where they couldn't go and learn in person, being more open to learning on their own and being self-motivated. And then also having the tools to connect with people and learn effectively online. And then tutors being kind of empowered, like the people who are, when you do have interactions with people, helping them teach better and more effectively. I think like what's really interesting is like the data behind learning is going to be evolving really quickly. And just in the way that like, we're starting to iterate on digital products and like being able to AB test, you know, what color button or what word on the button is the best for people to use this. We're, we're going to be able to iterate on learning strategies in the same way. Wow. That's a really interesting statement and a really interesting point of view. Like just like we're optimizing digital experiences based on human behavior, we can also optimize like, the technology behind learning based on digital experiences because we get the data. We know, for example, in the UX Academy, we have a database of submissions of students and maybe based on the frequency of submissions, we could learn something about our content or maybe about the students or maybe about how we can even improve it to create a different frequency or better frequency or maybe what frequency we should they should have in order to submit more assignments eventually and so on. So that's... Uh, a very interesting uh, concept. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, so first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It was awesome, as always, to talk with you. I definitely don't want to put you on the spot, but I haven't told you that before we started. But usually the guests and I having some kind of a brainstorming session where we kind of iterate on how we should name this episode. And we talked like a lot about the parallels between musicians and writers and we also talked about mentorship experience and just a tiny bit about like your take on the future of education technology and also we talked also about how the digital aspect is just the frame and there is something way deeper behind it which is the whole thing like when learning a new language, for example. So that's a lot of topics that we've covered. And I wonder how we should name this episode. Well, you know, one thing that comes to my mind from music that songs, you know, thrown together or a bunch of new musicians together in a space, you call it a jam session. So I don't know, maybe we could call this a jam session on UX writing. Wow. My mind is blown right now. That's uh, exactly how we're going to call it. All right, a UX writing jam session or a jam session about UX writing. Loved it. I knew that uh, I could trust the lyric writer here. Fantastic. All right, Noah. So first of all, thank you so much. It was great to have you. Good luck and safe traveling. And I hope I'm going to see you in Barcelona. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today, Yuval. It was such a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. And thank you, the listeners, for joining us for another uh, Writers in Tech episode. We've heard a rumor that if you give us a positive review on Apple Podcast, more people will find it through the Explore tab. And if you'll follow us on Spotify, there is li more likelihood that people could find us. So do that. But you can also don't do that. Uh, we re it really doesn't matter. And uh, in addition, feel free to visit the UXWritingHub.com uh, website. We have a, a weekly newsletter, a blog, 
free course, tons of resources for you to get started into this field and to identify and learn if this is something that is even for you or not. And that's about it. My name is Yuval. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub, the host of this show. And I'm going to hear you on the next episode of Writers in Tech. Bye.